I've been playing more, well, haven't really played poker for the last two months, but uh, before that, I uh, started my transition at PLO and have been studying and playing primarily live PLO cash. Yeah, I've I've been making the same transition. I haven't officially started yet, but I'm getting uh, staked and coached by a good live uh, PLO cash player, and I'm just going to hop in and start cash. Sounds like Um, a plan. For those of you yeah, you know, I've you know, once you win your first bracelet in PLO, it's it's kind, you're kind of enticed to start playing it a little more. <laughs> yeah, I I can only imagine. So I'm gonna start dabbling a bit in it. Also, it's just like, you know, learning a new game. Like, so I guess PLO technically isn't that much of a new game, but PLO Cash is such a different beast than PLO tournaments. Um, and I'm, you know, I primarily specialize in Nullament Hold'em and Parliament Omaha Hilo tournaments. So, you know, even the PLO tournament that I won, like, I don't really play that much PLO, really. Um, I play a lot of PLO high-low, but not that much PLO. So it was like, it was a different game, but not entirely different. But the transition, even from, like, you know, from tournaments to live cash, just in general, is so massively different. You know, live PLO and live Nolan Hold'em, you know, you're generally playing 150 big blinds to 1,000 big blinds deep, which you just don't really get into that many scenarios in tournaments. And generally, when they do occur, people approach them much, much differently than they do in, you know, live cash scenario. You know, live cash scenario, someone sitting 300 big blinds deep. You know, most, most people sitting that deep, you know, they don't, they don't mind necessarily losing 50 to 100 big blinds in a hand. While you lose 50 to 100 big blinds in a tournament, everyone's kind of like, oh, I really don't want to risk these chips. And, you know, they just approach it in a so much different light and thought process. So the ranges are wildly different. And also, you know, what they're worried about, how they're worried about various things. You just like, you have to approach your own hands and scenarios very differently because of that. Just because you don't have as much leverage in certain spots requires a lot more, you know, a lot larger bets to have the same type of fold equity that you normally get in a tournament. So it's uh, it's definitely a learning process for me. But, you know, one of the things about, you know, I've put a lot of time and effort into, you know, getting better at tournaments over the last you know many years but mostly the last like two years i've gotten much better um and you know really work very very hard on my game to get better and to some degree there's like a level of burnout that once you stop really feeling yourself grow and you feel yourself start to plateau it's kind of hard to stay focused and driven so the way that i do that is i do a lot of different things but you know i do things like coaching i write articles i you know, hop on interviews and podcasts and do all this type of stuff, kind of keep my passion alive. And then also I learn new games. So learning PLO cash is a way to get like a new unique income stream coming in and also a way to really help my mind grow and think differently about things and also learn how, you know, I do in tournaments, you run into a lot of players who do play live cash and, you know, who do play like PLO and those types of things, learning how they think and approach scenarios, you know, I can learn how they might try to adjust in a tournament and then have better adjustments against them and increase. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely relate to that. Um, I, when I started my uh, kind of transition to PLO, maybe like five or six months ago, um, just after like a week or two, I haven't been as excited about playing and studying poker since I first really started taking the game seriously and mm-hmm. uh especially more the studying aspect like um right. you know th- this podcast we've i think 
almost exclusively done hand history analysis of No Limit, and I've put a ton of time in in terms of playing No Limit and coaching No Limit. And while it's still mm-hmm. definitely an interesting game that I will never stop being passionate about to some degree, there is something you know great about a new game. And you know, from my own personal experience, like the re- the way I got into poker was not just like you know, exclusively playing poker from a young age. Like I've loved all board games. I've loved being competitive in all these things. And I actually think for me, like it, I derive so much more pleasure out of playing board games that like in games that aren't poker now, because it's like, Oh, I can play a game that like I haven't studied. The people here haven't studied. And it's more about just like adapting on the fly. I think that's what people enjoy about games more than like putting in the serious time and effort it takes to become right. a lead at a game. It's like doing a really good job with limited information and limited, you know, <laughs> fundamentals, whether it's like Catan or Monopoly. Uh, right. Or and, Werewolf. Yeah. If you haven't played that before. <laughs> I have. Uh, playing yeah. Werewolf with high stakes poker players is the most fun I've had doing pretty much anything, honestly. Okay. I'll write that down. Werewolf? Yeah. Okay. It's a social interaction game where there's a team of villagers and a team of wolves. And everyone knows how many wolves there are, but nobody knows who the wolves are. And uh, the way you figure it out is by, you know, there's like a, you know, you can like accuse people of being a wolf. And when they get accused, there's like a voting round to see if enough people think they're a wolf. If enough people vote, they get killed, whether they're a wolf or not. And then the wolves get a turn at, uh, they enter at nighttime phase and the wolves get a turn as to who they decide to kill that's a villager and then um the villagers goal is to kill all the wolves the wolves goal is there for there to be as many wolves left as there are villagers so generally um a game of like 12 people there would be like three werewolves and nine villagers the villagers would occasionally have some people that have special powers like people who can figure out who wolves are but like throughout the game, no one really knows who anyone is outside the wolves know who each other are. So the wolves are trying to manipulate everyone else into convincing everyone else that other people are wolves. So they'll like try to set people up to like say something stupid or you know get voting patterns weird or just try to control the vote. And uh, when you play with like high stakes poker players, you know people like always try to figure out like what the game theory optimal way to play in scenarios and stuff is which you know some of the people that i've played with we've played enough that most people have strategies for like playing most positions so that's where like there's tons of different roles that you can play when you add in all these different roles you know slowly makes it harder and harder for there to be truly gto strategies and theories and stuff and also just when you add in the human element of interaction and because the game involves lots and lots of talking and lots and lots yeah. of you know, trying to be comfortable in that scenario, discussing with people who have played the game many times and know what to look for and all those things. And it's so much fun. Um, that sounds amazing, hard... Ryan. Next time I'm in Vegas, I gotta gotta write you and try to organize yeah, the game. Absolutely great, especially if you're during uh, if you're here during the World Series. Um, that's when the best games occur. You know, I've played Werewolf with you know. Igor Kurganov and Liv Burry and Scott Seaver and on and on and on and on and on. Like all the, a lot of the big names in the game. And, you know, playing with them is just so much fun. It's such a challenge. And yeah, it's just like a wonderful game. And, you know, you don't need those types of people to have a lot of fun with it. There are a lot of different groups of people that are really good at it. And it's just, even if you aren't good at it, 
it's just a wonderful game. It's just so much fun. Yeah, it sounds great. It's also reminding me of a, of a game uh, called Diplomacy. Have you heard of that? Yep, I love Diplomacy. Yeah, Diplomacy so I... is like <laughs> Risk, but so much better. Yeah, I've only played Diplomacy a few times, but it's been really epic. And something that I think a lot of poker players can appreciate this game. Because in, in Werewolf, there's like some level of variance within the game. Uh, but in Dipl- uh, There's a little, yeah. There, yeah, a, a little bit. But in, in Diplomacy, there's pretty much no variance. It's basically, right. whoever is like the most conniving, seemingly trustworthy person just wins. And there's so many dynamics yeah. at play, especially when you're playing with like friends of many years. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you have six hours and a rainy day uh, and like six to eight people, highly recommend checking that game out. Uh, there's a board, yeah. but you don't really need it. Uh, you kind of just look at the rules online and play. And for those of you who haven't played Diplomacy, it's essentially it's risk without dice rolling. And the way you decide moves is by writing them down and discussing them and usually between moves there's anywhere between like five minutes to i've had hour long discussion period for one move that had nothing occur oh yeah um, ours so is be like a very frustrating game yeah, yeah we wouldn't put a time limit on our game so it'd be a lot more fun it would go forever though but yeah it's a lot it's a great game 